Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Believe in science. You're listening to Bandwagons. Welcome back. We are so happy to have you here for a very special episode of Bandwagons brought to you by Science Foundation Ireland and Science Week 2020. Woohoo! Um, my housemates have never been so excited for an episode in all the time I've lived here. They are three sci- women in science. We're, I'm glad we could do it for them eventually. I am hoping my sister and her class is also listening. She is a secondary school um physics and biology teacher so shout out them shout out the people shout who out are to all the strong women teaching. in science <laughs> absolutely we love them as two uh women in science now ourselves having yeah. done this collaboration we're very excited to talk to you about science week it's still going ahead science week 2020 running from november 8th to 15th loads of virtual events taking place online and you can check them all out at www.sfi.ie forward slash events very exciting. Um, Science Week wants to help the general public understand what the future could look like because the decisions we are making are not making today and to highlight the role of science in delivering solutions that support our future environment, health and quality of life, which is something we're kind of talking about in our everyday discussions, I think, with the year that's been, with all of us working from home and finding solutions to that and doing things I mean we're having to do this whole podcast remotely and have had to change this business in so many ways and science and technology have helped us in so many ways I think you'll agree Breed. yeah absolutely coming to you uh, from my new bed desk did I tell you about my bed it. desk tell me about your bed desk I got a basically like what looks like a dinner tray but it's a de- it's like a laptop desk that sits over my lap so I can work from bed we have our beautiful road mics and our very nice laptops. Oh, might as well be together. Incredible. Yeah. The power of the internet and technology and innovation from Breed Brown herself. <laughs> um, I think everyone would agree that 2020 has been an opportunity for us to adjust our behaviors. And it's kind of been a restart button for many to consider what choices we can make for better quality life, whether that's the work-life balance, as we've already mentioned, 
or just generally looking at ways that we can improve our lives through scientific solutions or technology. Um, science is the solution to a shared, better future. And for Science Week 2020, we are asking you, our lovely bandwagon listeners, to hashtag believe in science and play a role in choosing our future because you might not think it, but we all have a part to play in this and how the world changes and continues to develop. As we spoke about with our lovely guest, Professor Linda Doyle. Yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation. She had so many interesting points to make. And I think we put a lot of tough questions to her that she's not really, we we're like, oh, a woman in science talked to us about this, but she really taught me a lot of things. She was well able for us and we covered a lot of areas of concern um, for our brand lines listeners, of course, such as what is the future of our takeaway delivery is going to be like? Because yeah. we have, we here at... When can I get a spice bag via drone? Truly, truly, truly. As the people who are currently developing a spice bag, what is it? A review? How would oh, you my spice bag it? review board. Yeah. Yeah. As, <laughs> as two people who are currently developing that, that was very important to us. But also as two people, as we said, who are working from home in our day-to-day jobs and are doing bandwagons at home and relying so much on technology, connectivity, infrastructure, whatever. It was really interesting to hear her perspective on how these things could change from like how we work, how we shop, how we see people. I yeah. I found it really, really interesting. We'll have to have her back at some stage to talk about something else. I could listen to her all day. Yeah. Yeah. We questioned her on why Fanula can't get any signal in her house. I don't know yeah. if, that, if that if she um, is qualified to answer that, but she did. Um, we asked her <laughs> how like Amazon and the likes are trying to target us by making it feel more like actual bookshops. Um, it's just really interesting. Yeah. So very delighted to have Linda speak with us. She is the Professor for Engineering and the Arts in Trinity, um, an expert in technology. You are in safe hands. We really hope you enjoy this conversation. And yeah, as we already mentioned, please check out all of the events that are on this Science Week. I guarantee you will learn something. And why not when we're all at home and maybe looking for new opportunities to learn? This is the perfect excuse. So go check them all out. We are delighted to be joined by the lovely, the effervescent uh, Linda Doyle, Professor of Engineering and the Arts, all the way from Trinity College Dublin. She's joining us live via Zoom. Thank you so much, Linda, for taking the time to have this conversation with us. Yeah, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. So how do you think technology has advanced to allow us to work from home as so many of us are now, given the current pandemic and the situation? And how do you see it advancing further, if that's even possible? I mean, we're so lucky with what we're able to do now, even if you consider this podcast, we are all in our own gaffes, recording remotely. It's very good. Like, can it get better than that for people in their work environments or are we at where we're at? So I'd say, first of all, we're not at where where we can be at all. But before we even get there, just to answer the first bit of your question about how have things advanced? Well, I'm I, I I come from a telecommunications and networking background, and usually um, it, people often don't really think about the networks that they use. So when you're on a mobile phone or when you're talking to me now, you're actually using a network, whether it's a wired network or a wireless network. 
Um, and I would have to say that um, there's been fantastic work done in recent years in making the networks robust and giving us the amount of bandwidth that we need and the kind of connectivity we need. And, and that connectivity underpins everything. So the reason you're able to work from home is because those networks exist. Uh, you're able to easily get onto those networks and you're able to connect with anyone else around the world that you need to connect with. And because the networks now, and you'll probably notice this yourself, they don't have the latency in them. You know, we're talking to each other now and there isn't big delays. And all of those improvements have really, I think, been the key thing that has allowed us to work from home. You have the likes of Zoom, obviously, which we're on now. And we had a discussion yeah. before we came on. Everyone is probably sick to the back teeth of Zoom. Yeah. I use Teams in my day-to-day -day job. Um, I think it's fair to say they've all been fairly rallied out of it, whether you're working or simply trying to communicate with friends or family or whatever. How much more sophisticated do you think they can get when you consider the likes of like virtual reality and augmented reality technology? Like I, I have visions of them making them so sophisticated that we're when you're on a work call you're going to feel like you're kind of in the actual room yeah. are we going to get there and do you think in your opinion will that be for the better or for the worst so i think broadly speaking technology has a long way to go yes and even though it's 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 fantastic that we can so easily talk to each other and all of us can be in different spots uh, i think you'll all agree that it is kind of more exhausting being on Zoom. Um, and I think you'll all agree, and I don't know about you, but I certainly miss that physical interaction. And you know, when you're brainstorming and you're trying to come up with new ideas, um, even though I can have a great conversation with you here now, it's just not the same I feel. Um, even though there's fantastic, you know, there's fantastic apps now where you can do shared whiteboards and you can all, you know, do sticky notes and you can all do that virtually. There's something slightly missing from that kind of embodiment, uh, you know, that that being there and that feeling that you're you're in the room. So I certainly think technology can go a good bit further in, in terms of that kind of immersive experience where you feel you're more there. So if you look at the work that's being done um, in terms of, of that, there, there, there are many exciting things that are happening. Um, have you frozen, uh, Fanula? Well, maybe she has. No, she's back. Okay. There is an example of, a, of how technology was not working to help us. <laughs> oh, the joys. We're, here we were talking, oh, no latency here in Ashtown. <laughs> no, unfortunately. <laughs> she's frozen again. Um, on that note, why do you, what is Zoom fatigue and why do people feel more tired after Zoom calls? Well, uh, apparently, so some, some of the things that I have been reading, um, apparently people feel more tired because um, we have to concentrate much more to pick up what's happening. So when you're actually sitting with somebody physically, um, they're communicating way more than just using their, 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 their voice and speaking, you know, their whole body is communicating. In fact, actually, we had a, we had a fantastic, uh, I work with a woman called Lorraine Leeson and, and she uh, is in deaf studies and she did a little podcast for us really about recently about sign language and the really funny thing about sign language well not funny but the really un, one of the amazing things is when she was talking about sign language she was explaining that how your whole body is used you know you might see people on the tv sometimes and they're very very expressive when they're using sign language it's not just their arms that they're moving so so i think like 
so they use their whole body to communicate and that's like in every language every language you use your whole body to communicate so when you're looking and picking up um cues and understanding the mood of the room and the feel of the room you're able to do that much more naturally when you're physically next to people but when you're actually online like we are now you have to concentrate really hard to try pick that up so for example i i might be looking at you and you might be changing your gaze because you're checking something on the screen or fixing something to do with the sound whereas i don't know whether that's because you're just lost interest in what i've said or, or, or what the situation is and maybe it's a bit of both but but you you can pick that up much more naturally and have to concentrate less when you're actually sitting in a room with somebody but maybe actually you you uh Fanula had just asked me earlier there about uh the technologies that exist that might be able to help things so um, I suppose many people now and many of your listeners will be familiar with augmented reality and virtual reality. So I think there's a huge interest as to whether we could be more immersed in those kinds of environments. And by being more immersed, would we feel like we're more in the room and it would be easier to feel you're part of a group rather than kind of remotely connected at the end of a, a PC. And there, 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 there's fantastic technologies that are being developed both in terms of um, uh, you know, creating uh, what they call uh, you know, volumetric video, it's kind of 3D video where you feel that you're right there in the center of something and that you can kind of, uh, I suppose, have a better experience, um, whether it's something that's to do with work or whether it's something to do with online performances, that you feel you're kind of part of it. So there's huge amounts of technology that's been developed in that context. And when that becomes more ubiquitous, um, and everybody is being able, you know, has it in their own homes. And um, the way we now have the, you know, the way we now have fantastic computers are, uh, you know, fantastic. Um, sorry, I'm rambling a bit there. I was so, just going to jump in there though and say yeah. about um, Billie Eilish, because Billie Eilish is doing something very, well, like sim similar in my very limited understanding of the technology um, in terms of bringing this kind of, immersive concert experience now I didn't buy a yeah. ticket because I'm a cheapskate and I don't really enjoy the whole experience of watching these kind of live streams but the way they yeah. promote it is is that whatever technology and whatever cameras they're using it's really supposed to feel like you're there as close as you can be as possible and I kind of as much as I kind of think that's freaky in one sense it's also great and a part of me as someone who really struggles with the Zoom calls and the Zoom fatigue and the constantly being on the screen and trying to pick up the cues. I think that kind of advancement will be great. I, I think you're right. There's there's one of the spin-out companies from Trinity is called Vologram and it kind of makes a hologram of people and you can use that kind of holographic, holographic experience um, or you can use that holographic technology uh, to create that kind of immersive experience. You were talking there about Billie Eilish. So um, I, I, I agree that there, there are some things that sound like you think of Star Wars and, and, and the holograms there, but there's other things that that's actually the kind of way that you feel immersed in things or that people will be experienced, you know, if you're watching a game of soccer and you can watch it from different angles and you can get mm. a more 3D perspective of it. That's what people are really talking about, how to make that available everywhere and to everyone. So you can kind of create the data, you can create the video in the first place that gives that sense. And then you can you can actually manipulate your your, your perspective on, and, and how you see it and, and what you're experiencing on the other end. Breed, maybe we should get on to them about doing holograms of us so we can go back to doing live shows. We can just stay in bed and just yeah. have the holograms do all the work. <laughs> That's what we need to do now. But like on, on that note, what jobs do you see being replaced by artificial intelligence? So um, I suppose the quick way to answer that question is that any jobs that are very repetitive 
um, can be easily replaced. Now, the thing is, is that there are some very high paid jobs that are very repetitive. I mean, there there is jobs that are uh, looking at, um, you know, stocks and shares or there's jobs to do with legal analysis of things. And in principle, they could be, uh, you know, you once you understand the kind of patterns that people are looking for uh, and once you understand kind of the rules of it, yeah, they could be replaced by AI. Um, you know, we're all, I suppose, familiar with the fact that we are very often talking to somebody um, on a phone and it's actually not a person. It's AI or you're interacting with the kind of online sales uh, yeah. assistant and that's actually not a person that's an AI machine behind it so there's jobs all around us that are being replaced already um so 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 quite a, quite a, quite a range of jobs I think can be replaced by AI um to be honest I think the ones that won't be replaced by AI are any ones that uh require huge human dexterity so I think plumbers and electricians they're really, really safe, but perhaps um, some of the more um, bookkeeping oriented work isn't. You can see the downfall of some of those replacements, though. I don't know, just being kind of within the realm of journalism and whatever I've seen just where jobs have been replaced there, where people where real people have been replaced by robots or an AI that like reads text or whatever where they haven't kind of where they've gotten images wrong or there's been kind of a sense of like a racial bias or whatever yeah. which like isn't great which is you're kind of wondering then how do you progress from that or is it possible or is it just a case of do you think that in those in jobs like that and especially in journalism those jobs are always going to exist and are always going to have to be done by like real fleshy skeleton people so uh, I, I certainly think real fleshy skeleton people will, <laughs> are, are really important in lots of things. Um, so I, I certainly think when it comes to insights, leadership, emotions, uh, opinions, um, creativity, I, I am a full believer in how the human has a huge role to play. But stepping back a bit and just talking to your, your question about racial bias, I, I'm a real absolute believer in that there is no such thing as neutral design. So when you design something, you design a particular intention, or if you want to use the word bias into it. And I think very often as an engineer or a computer scientist, you can think that everything's neutral, but it isn't. So, mm -hmm. so there can be there can be a very specific intention in it. And you know, so first of all, I think we are not fully equipped in the world today to fully look at the intentions and biases that exist in the first place. And secondly, if you let an algorithm, an algorithm run and learn, um, a lot of the time it learn the bad behaviors that we have. So, so, so this whole idea that you can have this completely neutral uh, entity that's, 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 that's actually better than a human and doesn't have any implicit uh, unconscious biases, um, I suppose is just not true. Um, that, that you know more than more more often than not you're going to kind of experience that kind of way of behaving and this is not new I mean one of the things I think that's happening is that people are talking about this hugely at the moment in the context of the AI world but this has been going on for 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 decades I mean I don't know whether you're familiar with the Shirley card and the Kodak camera have you ever heard of I that? don't I don't think no. so so, so when cameras, you know, when you first started to take photographs, the actual chemicals on the film were developed in such a way to be better at taking photographs of light or white skin. 
and there was this kind of very famous card that 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 uh, a Kodak had. You know, it's one of those kind of cards with different blocks of color, so you kind of understand what what colors things should look at. And there was this woman on it called Shirley, and I think it was called the Shirley card, and that was defined as normal. So that's your normal, you know. So so there's your bias straight away, where there's an automatic definition of what normal is, mm-hmm. and that's how normally you know, the uh, the film is going to behave and any deviation from that is not normal. So so we're talking much more now about algorithmic bias and people are really, really curious in the context of um, AI and machine learning. But those biases have always been there and always been built into systems. And we just don't necessarily always ask the right questions or perhaps we didn't have the vocabulary to ask the right questions or perhaps AI, you know, while it has many uh, challenges that it's bringing us is also finally causing us to have more of these conversations. Very yeah. interesting, very good. It's my it, when you when you hear a story like that, it's great to see the progressions that's been made, but it also kind of kicks up more as you said more of what needs to be done yeah. and more of what needs to be recognized. Yeah. It's very interesting. And I mean, I, I'm not a doom and so I'm, I'm I'm personally not a person who thinks all technology is brilliant. Um, and I'm also not a person who thinks complete doom and gloom about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I say there's no such thing as neutral design, I mean, it's in our hands to control our future. You know, the, the theme of Science Week is choosing our future. And this is very much about choosing our future. However, you're not going to be able to choose the future if you don't have the vocabulary to talk about it. And I think this is a big issue. And sometimes you can get completely bamboozled by the science around it. And, you know, people might not feel that it's it, it's their right to, to make a comment or, or, or talk about this. So so I'm always hugely interested in, in, in various different initiatives that kind of show you what's happening behind the scenes and I suppose help you push that, that, that conversation forward. So mm-hmm. I don't know whether you've ever seen one of my favorite artworks at the moment and for a long time now has been uh, a work by Kate Crawford and Vladin Joler called Anatomy uh, of an AI System. Have you have you ever seen it? No, no but we'll it's, grab that and we'll, uh, we'll have it for it, our yeah. socials if people want to look at it. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty amazing. So it's, it's a diagram basically and you might say what the hell is fantastic about a diagram. So it takes the Amazon Echo, okay, and it looks mm-hmm. at every single thing that goes into making the Amazon Echo from the physical materials that go into it to the invisible labor that goes into training it. Um, And it questions all of those. So it questions the the materials in terms of um, how sustainable and good they are, but it also questions the invisible work that you and I do in training it up. Um, And there's a fantastic essay that goes with this this diagram. And essentially, um, you know, it kind of gives you a sense of all of the resources that are harnessed from around the world to be able to, to, you know, turn on a light or answer, um, you know, something that you ask uh, the Amazon Echo. So, So I think one of the things that does is it really, really unpacks what's behind, uh, you know, the intelligence of the Echo, both physically, uh, software-wise, and hidden labor-wise. And it's really, really interesting to look at that. And large-scale, you know, when you think of AI, AI a lot of the time is about harnessing resources, data, patterns, you know, in a large-scale way. So I think anatomy of an AI system is a fantastic glimpse into what's involved in that. You've actually just reminded me about some work that I did that I completely forgot about. I was just going to say, yeah. Um, I did some like freelance work for a telecommunications company, um, basically where they were trying to develop this service for um, a smart speaker where it kind of, it helped you pick a movie and they wanted mm-hmm. to make it as human as possible. So they had me and they hired other people to 
test it, speak to it, ask certain things. They ask me what I'd want from a service like that. So for me, I'd be looking for like a movie that was five stars or that had a certain cast or whatever, but they just wanted to make it really conversational. So I'm definitely going to look up this this artwork because it's just brought me back to that because it was... You had to really write like colloquial yeah, you to questions like, kind of. Yeah, and kind yeah. of like, so say I was like, oh, I want a, a movie with Daniel Day-Lewis. I don't ask me why I picked Daniel Day-Lewis. It just needs to stop my head. <laughs> but something like that. And they'd have to be like, the, the smart speaker have to be like, oh, uh, you're into Daniel Day-Lewis. The way we would speak to a normal person or the way you would ask someone in your everyday life. Oh, hey, have you watched this movie? It's really good. And I actually found, I found that really interesting. So... It's it very, is, it's, I think people don't consider how much work goes into kind of tech like that and to even make it as basic as it is, you know? That's, that's absolutely true. And I think, I think you bring up a really interesting point again about the work, uh, other hidden work. So I was reading an article recently um, from uh, an AI, it's uh, from an AI institute. Um, so it was the, the AI Now Institute, and, and they basically um, have this new report. So it's a fantastic institute, the AI Now Institute, and it looks at the impact of AI. And I highly recommend people Google it and look it up. Um, but essentially, it has a report at the moment called Regulating Biometrics, Global Approaches and Open Questions. And you, you might think, OK, who would want to read something called Regulating Anything? <laughs> but... Um, but biometrics, um, uh, and they define it at the start of theirs as recognition technologies um, to describe systems that fix official identities to bodily, uh, physiological or behavioral traits so that you can find new ways for individuals to identify themselves and also be identified. So they look into that whole world and it's, you know, you can, you can be using those kind of techniques. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today techniques in predictive policing you could be using those techniques in um in health applications where you kind of start to see from large populations you know um traits that you might want to come uh, you know to understand so it's really really interesting and they're looking at uh, how that's regulated around the world and um one of the things that stood out for me they were talking about one company that actually sucked a huge amount of information from the net of whole loads of pictures of people. And the way, um, one of the ways that machines learn is that when they look at data, 
uh, that data needs to be labeled. Like if they look at images, you need to say this is an image of a cat or this is an image of a woman or this is an image of a girl or whatever it is, or this is an image of a uh, of a cup. So it needs to be labeled so that they, they can then understand so they can learn from that. So that's one way that it learns. There's many other ways. So um, in this report, they point out that, you know, a lot of this 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 uh, the the labour involved in actually physically labelling the data, looking at it and writing down what it is, happens in the global south and is completely underpaid. So you might have this very sophisticated AI system that's actually using data uh, in a really really clever way and that has learnt from existing data, but there could be really manual labours going on behind that data. Now that's not always the case. There's some fantastic ways that that doesn't happen, but it goes to that point of just because something is really highly technical and really sophisticated, that it's really important for us to kind of look behind you know, look behind the scenes and see what actually goes into that. Likewise, it's the exact same if you buy some clothing and you want to know who made it and where was that made and where was that origin and what kind of labor went into that. You just have to do the same thing when it comes to technology and when it comes to digital things. Yeah, that was something I'd... It's pretty interesting. I, I won't speak for Breed, but it's definitely something I'd never considered. Or I had yeah. never considered. Um, on a totally separate note, but one that is very relevant <laughs> to both mine and Breed's lives, um, takeaways. We're flat out ordering takeaways <laughs> at the minute. Um, I don't know if you're the same, Linda. I'm sure a lot of our listeners oh are. Oh my God, I'm the absolute same. It's, I think we're, <laughs> we're in a phase at the moment where the only bit of entertainment is food. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and in fact, actually, I don't know whether you've noticed if you if you if you're anywhere, certainly in a city, uh, late at evening, all you can see is like uh, Deliveroo and uh, you know um, uh, Uber Eats and various different uh, delivery people going everywhere. Yeah, yeah. deliveries. They're everywhere, and they're making huge hires. We've seen. I think Just Eat announced earlier they were they were like yeah. creating like seven hundred new jobs, which is obviously absolutely great. Um. But I suppose what we're wondering is how likely are we going to see <laughs> drones dropping off our spice bags? Like, is that a possibility or are we, or where are we with that? Well, personally, <laughs> I wouldn't be eating a spice bag no matter who dropped it off, but I might be eating oh, something else. Oh, controversial, Linda. <laughs> Straight out the gate. Yeah. Um, but if you look, there is something. So there are some advances in this. I don't know whether you've ever seen any of the images. So in San Francisco is one of those cities that really, um, I suppose, because it's near the Bay Area and there's a lot of robotics companies. But there's fantastic examples of robots wandering down streets. And they're kind of like uh, some of the if you go if you Google online, you'll see them. Some of them are kind of like little trolleys that can go places themselves and you open the trolley and take your takeaway. So, I mean, they've been things like that have been explored and tested and I mean I suppose uh, there's all sorts of issues that need to be tested there there's the technology and how robust it is and I suppose it's the culture of the community uh, in which the, the thing exists I mean I can't imagine a robot going down the street in Dublin and people just leaving a bee not looking <laughs> not opening the lid yeah. and looking for one of those um, and certainly there there's great advances as well in in, in terms of drones delivering the uh, delivering things but but I, I certainly think we're um, we're a little bit away of seeing that uh, being hugely, um, I suppose, viable. And maybe one of the negative reasons it's not viable yet is because, in fact, a lot of those jobs about delivery are very, very poorly paid. Mm -hmm. And it's actually hard to compete with that low level of pay, which is a really sad state of affairs. But that is that is the fact. 
You do see things now as well. They talk about the last mile. You'll hear this in technology, the last mile delivery. So you can see, you know, this notion that you would drive somewhere with a van and the van would open up and a drone would come out of the van and the drone would go the last bit. So there's all sorts of things like that where people are looking at, you know, how you would approach that. Cool. Um, how has the pandemic impacted the gig economy? So um, for, I suppose, in, in, in lots of ways, I mean, I think I think we probably are all familiar with the whole drive now to try and get us all to kind of buy local, uh, you know, even for Christmas and things like that. I think there's a huge kind of need for, you know, and you can see yourself like in local areas where people have been able to go out that local shops and businesses might have been a little bit um, better off uh, from the pandemic versus the ones that are in city centres and are not getting the footfall anymore. So I suppose you take that to the extreme and people are buying online and you know yourself now if you want to design a website or anything like that it's really easy to go and get somebody to do that from somewhere afar that you don't even know who they are. Um, uh, so I would say that um, the huge drive to online shopping, uh, availing of services online um, and remotely doing things um, has made on the one hand, you know, you can see how it could make your, your life a bit easier. You don't have to move from somewhere. But on the other hand, I think it's really uh, detrimental to kind of the, the notion of, you know, the physical businesses in, 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 in your country, in your, in your life, in your area. So I think it has, uh, has had a variety of effects on it. With that, though, we're seeing a lot of people, and again, I don't know if this is just me and the people who I follow and being like working in digital, but I'm seeing a lot of people promoting the laptop lifestyle kind of more so than ever. This idea that you can just like work from your laptop from anywhere, like which is all well and good, but it, yeah. how realistic is that for those working in, we'll sit like rural Ireland where yeah. the infrastructure isn't there and like that's not as feasible as someone like me or someone like breed or someone else yeah so i i do think I, I i see that myself as well and actually a very good friend of mine moved to rural her and her family and kids and everything moved to rural ireland you know and i i'm sure i'm one of many people who have examples of of friends who who've decided they're going to give it a go and work from somewhere else so um i think uh i i going back to what i said at the very beginning here you know everything we're doing at the moment is underpinned by the ability to be connected by a network and we certainly do um, suffer uh, in Ireland. Ireland is a really, like Ireland is a very funny pattern in terms of how houses are distributed. So we're, even though we're a small country, we're unlike many other countries where there's very distributed spread out of housing and it's quite hard. And that's why we've had to have the national rural broadband plan it's quite hard to actually deliver connectivity to everybody who needs it and from my perspective it would be brilliant for people to be viably working in rural areas and be able to stay working in those areas but the connectivity has to has to come and I, I often describe it as you know if you're making a phone call a mobile call in in a rural area you have to be lucky twice you know you have to have signal and the person you're ringing has to have signal and it, you know it's just too you know it's just too difficult in in many areas and and without that connectivity i don't think we will have the ability for people to to, to work uh in, in as seamlessly and remotely as we would like and as would benefit the country linda i'll need you to come over to my house at some stage because i think it's i've just moved into a new house and i think it's covered in lead or something there's no signal whatsoever <laughs> but then i step outside now signal but it's That's another it, like, story for another day we're like a, a cage as they call it it blocks signals coming in <laughs> Literally, literally. It's yeah, we're we're Dublin city centre, like, and 
we we have really struggled to get like Wi-Fi and even signal like 4G on phones and stuff. So I can't even imagine moving back to like the back house of Wexford yeah. and trying to do it even worse down there. Yeah, there's you can actually look online and see the various different maps that show you things. And, you know, they talk about not spots and funnily enough, there's not spots in a city as well. These black spots where you can't get signal um, and some of it you know you can have sometimes when you can't get signal it's either kind of you permanently can't get signal because you're in an, an area with really low coverage and sometimes it can just be temporarily where the, the you know there's a combination of factors that, that that mean you're in a black hole temporarily but it sounds like to me you both have picked the wrong places to live in in terms of signal coverage yeah totally uh, truly truly in fact actually if you look at some websites in other countries um that are for house sales like if you look at the UK and many of them, you can actually also get the broadband rated in that area before you decide to buy the house. And it's automatically oh. on the website through the houses so that you get a sense of uh, of what your coverage is. Because that, that hugely matters to people, especially if they're yeah. working. Yeah. You know, we should have that here. Someone needs yeah. to Yes, I think we should. <laughs> uh, just back to what you were saying about online shopping, Linda. How are places like Amazon trying to create the real life shopping experience using technology? Um, well, I, I'm not necessarily an expert on, on, on what Amazon are doing, but certainly, I mean, when you when you think of things, I think, I, I suppose companies are doing that in many different ways. Um, and again, uh, you know, when you look at the visualization techniques that exist there now, there's kind of, uh, you, you'll see it yourself on, on programs on TV where if somebody wants to do their house up, they can get, a, you know, a, a virtual reality representation of what the house is going to look like. Um, if you if you get you know an extension built or if you you can get a virtual reality representation what's going to look like if you actually change the color on the wall of your rooms and and see what it's like so I think a lot of companies now are trying to to use that but sometimes they also use very simple ways you know like with Amazon you'll notice yourself if you buy a book in Amazon they'll tell you people who bought this book also bought this other book and they're yeah. trying to recreate like as if you're like looking in a bookshop you know when you're in a bookshop and you might randomly look at something and then randomly go to something else later on so 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 you you find that online entities try to create that sense of uh, of randomness and happenstance as well in, in in suggesting other things to you oh yeah I've never thought about that because usually like when you're going to Amazon to buy a book it's a very specific book like you don't go to browse on well, somewhere I know, like that do you look at, I, I you know the way sometimes as well um did you ever buy a book like so I would be, we'll say, left-leaning politically, but I might have bought a book that is about a particular character who's, you know, I mean, I have actually, give you an example, I bought a book about the biography of Margaret Thatcher because I just wanted to read it. And every now and then I get suggestions as if I'm really right-wing. In, 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 <laughs> in, so, 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 so people can kind of character, characterize you funnily in it. But I often do look at the, at the books that they say, and I have done it, I've often bought, you know, they say people who bought this book has also bought these other books. I've often bought other books just by looking at that or by looking at the random other selections they have around even though as I said all of the time they are trying to characterize you yeah totally. what are the the limitations and the possibilities then for businesses that aren't obviously like it's all well and good for Amazon and Jeff Bezos when you have eight million much more than eight million actually however billions <laughs> of euro and dollars I mean what if you're another business just trying to like make it feel like more real life how do how do they do that or what's possible and what isn't I love the way you guys have total faith in me that 
because of the background I have that has some technology in it that I'll be able to give give great marketing to <laughs> Linda we we trust you with our lives <laughs> this is 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 this you know what is that phrase in the in the land of the blind the one-eyed monster is king <laughs> <laughs> that's our new tagline for this podcast <laughs> truly yeah truly. You're, in the, you're in the right place Linda it's fine yeah I mean, I, I, I do think now, um, uh, so you see very advanced um, uh, kind of marketing happening where people make use of what they call the Internet of Things, you know, where you, I don't know, you know, whether you're familiar with that phrase, but whether you where you embed sensors in the world around you and you have, you know, um, you have tags and, and, and things in physical items that actually allow you to connect to the internet and, and, and uh, you know, whether it's a QR code or whether it's something more sophisticated that you get more information about that product. Mm -hmm. So I think there's all sorts of things like that that people do, um, you know, that kind of, I suppose, uh, I, I just give that other dimension uh, to, to what they want to actually sell. Um, but ultimately, uh, I, I, think, I think there's a whole new world in... Um, and things that I don't know enough about, there's a whole new world in how to be online. I mean, to a certain extent, uh, I suppose we're, you know, uh, younger generations, people are always saying spend their whole time online, you know, to friends, playing video games and things like that. But I think, I think what we'll probably see coming out of this is a whole load of new jobs where people understand how, how being online is different. So even, even with me talking to you guys, now I can see you because we're, we're, we're on Zoom. But I think people are asking themselves about, you know, what way do they come across online, like, you know, and are thinking about things differently. And even when it comes to education, just because you can record a lecture doesn't mean that that lecture should be the exact same way as if somebody's physically there. You need to think differently about what that education looks like and how you involve people. It's not an automatic just kind of digitizing and putting it online the way it is. And, and the likewise, for the, the same for businesses and companies are going to have to be thinking of many new things. Yeah, totally. My housemate actually is doing a course online at the minute and she has to do all her lectures after the fact, but she has found it. She's kind of a perfectionist and she will stop and rewind the lecture mm -hmm. so many times that she's finding it really tough to like just take notes and go on like you would if you were actually just at the lecture once off and didn't have it recorded and there at your disposal. Yeah. So yeah. she's uh, she's really dissecting it so much and it's she's kind of finding it hard to find the balance there. That's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, but I can imagine. Yeah, because basically, when you, you know, if you're sitting in a lecture, they're normally not recorded. You normally take limited number of notes, perhaps, and sometimes maybe not take any. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but but essentially, you, you are right. And 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 to me as well, you see, when you when you talk about that, and she zoomed into something that that's interesting too. I mean, I'm, I'm also interested in kind of the opposite of focusing in. So two um designers that i love and bore people to death by always talking about them are, are ray and charles eames they 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 they're dead now but they were very famous american designers but they gave one of the first ever multimedia uh, lectures in the 1950s the early 1950s in the us so you went into a room and there was video and sound and smells and the, 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 you know, there was big, huge, beautifully designed posters and the, the chairs actually were fitted with the techniques to shake, you know, kind of like you, you might now in a, one of those um, uh, cinemas that has all the yeah. special effects. Um, so I, I think it was amazing. They did this in 1953, but one of the things they were interested in was information overload. So, so they had this belief that you shouldn't spend all your time simplifying things and making it absolutely like, 
you know, perfectly understandable, which oftentimes you try to do when you're, you're, you're lecturing or teaching, but that by giving people all sorts of different information that they made the, the kind of, they made the links out of them in their heads and saw the kind of patterns and came up with new ideas and new ways of thinking. So I like that thought as well, rather than yeah. just, zoom, you know, just tell your flatmate that uh, don't panic and, uh, you know, let her, let, let her mind go on to other things as well. Yeah, that's good. I will try that. Um, so kind of on a similar note to that, what impact do you think the work from home situation can have on people's mental health and what advice would you give to people who are struggling with the, the laptop setup? Yeah. So I think it's fair to say, you know, um, that without a doubt that a huge number of people feel very, very isolated. And certainly from our perspective uh, as a university, there will be lots of students who um, are actually completely on their own. They may have moved to the city or moved from another country and are in accommodation sitting on their own. And I think it is really, really hard um, and, uh, you know, to, to be constantly on your own. And somebody said something really interesting to me this morning. They were talking about going to a number of virtual conferences and they said to me, you know, it was really interesting to go to the virtual conferences, but they didn't make one new friend. They only spoke to the people at the virtual conference that they've known already. You know, and that's fine if you know people already. But if you're if you're if you're new, it's very hard. And I don't know about you, but I remember my first days many, many years ago, my first days in college, you know, and I only kind of began to be myself when I found those one or two really good friends. So I think I think all of those things are extra hard when you're in a completely new environment. You're trying to learn. You're on your own. Um, and I wouldn't be at all surprised Um uh, I'm not at all surprised that we are seeing an increase in, in, in people struggling with mental health issues. Um, and I suppose the only advice that I can give um, is, you know, and again, I'm not an expert in, in this, but just, I suppose, from the education sector is that, you know, if you can talk about things to anybody, whether they're people at home, uh, if you don't have new friends yet, um, you know, there are services in many of the universities, including in Trinity, that you can avail of. And there's people who are really skilled and know how to help. Uh, and usually all of those services are well posted. Um, but I think the key thing is knowing that, that many other people are in the exact same situation and you're not alone in feeling how you do in that. Linda, where can people find out more about Science Week and SFI in general? So there is a general website is www.scienceweek.ie and all the events and activities are on there. Um, and I suppose it's a good time to reiterate that the theme of Science Week is choose our future. And I think you can only choose your future if you have the vocabulary and the, you know, you're equipped with the vocabulary to discuss what you want from the future. So I think Science Week is a great way of getting to know about more of the advances in science that you can uh, learn about and develop opinions on and help choose our future. And maybe one more thing to add in there, there's uh, something called Choose Our Future Online Assembly. Uh, and this is a platform led by Dr. Jane Souter. And uh, I think uh, Science Foundation Ireland is encouraging many people, to, as many people as possible to get involved with the Choose Our Future Online Assembly. Um, because I think it's a great way for people to be able to voice their opinion. And, and the Choose Our Future online assembly has been created by the SFI Centre for Digital Media Technology known as ADAPT, which is actually hosted in Trinity College. Great stuff. Great stuff. Lots to, lots to dig into there if anyone's listening and looking to find out more or maybe learn something new or 
choose your future, as you said yourself, Linda. Mm -hmm. Linda Doyle, Professor of Engineering and the Arts from Trinity College Dublin. Thank you so much for coming on to Banwang this week. We really appreciate it. Thanks a million. So that was the lovely Linda Doyle. Thank you so much for making the time to speak to us. Um, Science Week is running from the 8th to the 15th of November. And as Fanua said, you can get all the events online on www.sfi.ie forward slash events. Do you want some mini bandwagons? I absolutely do want some mini bandwagons, Breed, yes. Okay, fantastic. So my wonderful sister, Hilda Brown, passed me on um, one of her friend's businesses from, uh, it's a girl she goes to college with, and it's Orlala underscore jewellery. And it's uh, she makes unique handmade clay earrings. And I'm looking at her Instagram now. They're really like, they're really gorgeous. You'd like them, Fanula. They're like really, I'm just Minnie bright. said clay earrings. I was all in. I was all in. <laughs> they're, they're so vibrant and just very, I think funky is the only word you could use to describe them. Um, and I think she sells them on Depop. So go over to her Instagram to have a look. Um, that's Orlala What's her name? underscore Orlala underscore jewelry. Great stuff. Um, next is Irish Aromatics. They are um, a crafted soy wax candle supplier. They're based, I think they're based in Carlingford because the girls got them while we were up there. They got a few candles in one of the gift shops and they're made by this company and they're really, really nice. We're obsessed with them. Um, so you can get them from irisharoma.com. Good stuff. Because um, who doesn't love a good smelly candle? And finally, Bob Bogue. I actually just came across this on Instagram today. Purely by chance, it's only a new up and running business, but they're making really cute Christmas cards. And it's bobogue.com. So it's B-A-W-B-O-G-U-E. Um, and they're really cute, really cute cards. Lovely. Great stuff. So go and support that? them in your uh, in your Christmas shopping or your yeah. general shopping. And if you have a business or your friend has a business or even just like a little Etsy shop, please drop us a message and I will do my best to shout as many out as possible. Um, if we don't do it on here, we will definitely get it up on the Instagram. Yeah. So please, please message us. What a big episode. I've learned so what much. What a big episode. Happy Science Week 2020 from your resident science correspondents, Fanula and Breed. <laughs> um, please continue to choose um, your future and have these conversations. And, and believe in yeah, science. And believe in science. And we can see what a future Ireland would look like and how science can and should support the hope we have for our collective future. I'm very excited. Um, we have been Bandwagons Podcast. We are Bandwagons Podcast everywhere on social media. Um, please leave us a review. We are on Spotify if you want to follow us there for all the latest episodes. Big thanks to Collaborative Studios for producing this episode. Thank you yep. again to Science Foundation Ireland for working with Set us on this. It was a really unbelievable opportunity. We really enjoyed it. We will be back next week. And we have no idea what it's going to be about. So absolutely not. That's going to be absolutely interesting. Not. Truly, truly. Bye. Goodbye.
when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.